good morning, Freedom House. Good to see everyone. You guys look fantastic. This is my first time at Central this year, so y'all look way better than you did last year. Just want to let you know that. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor. Say, you look a lot skinnier than you did last year. Look at them. Turn to your other neighbor. Say, uh, you look like you lost some weight since last year, just in case. And we also want to welcome all of our live streamers, New Jersey, Netherlands, Florida, Atlanta, Atlanta Alabama, Illinois, New York, New Hampshire, Delaware, Georgia, Michigan, Virginia, South Carolina, Montana. Give it up for all of our live streamers. Good to see you. You know, it'd be a good idea this year is for you to make a road trip to see us live right here at Freedom House. Wouldn't that be great for them to show up and just be a part of a service? So take some time off of work and come to church. What a great, I mean, come on, God's going to honor that big time. Um, I'm excited to be here today. I got a great message for you. Um, But I just want to remind you that it is Life Group Weekend again, and I'm representing right here. We're better together. So if you have not connected into a life group, signed up for a life group, make sure after service we have some people in the lobby that love to connect you. Uh, One of the most important parts of your Christian growth, your maturity as a believer is connecting with other believers. And you can't do that in an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. And so you need to have outside opportunities for them to sharpen you, for, the, for you to sharpen them, for, for, you know, for you to get on their nerves, for them to get on your nerves, so you can use your faith, right? That's why God put bad people in your life, so you can learn to use your faith. Don't point at anybody, that's mean, but the truth is, is that's why God put people in your life. Not all of them are gonna be good, even in the life group. Some are gonna get on your nerves in your life for you. It's just for you. God to put them there just for you. How many of y'all have ever been in a situation where things are going really good in life? I mean, like money's good, uh, family life is good, your kids are saying yes, ma'am, and no, sir. Um, Your wife is not demon-possessed. That's a good thing. Your husband is, you know, listening to you, doing the dishes. I mean, the boss at work, everything's going on. And then it seems like, you wake up and everything goes bad. Everything goes to hell in a handbasket. Your boss goes schizo on you. You don't even know why. Calls you in the office, starts yelling at you for no reason. You didn't even do it. He's yelling at you. Your wife, you wake up, her head's spinning around. She's speaking in a different language. It's like a movie or something. Your kids are going off the rails. Your, your air conditioner breaks $15,000. Your car breaks down. Everything is going wrong. I know what you do. I do the same thing. I start repenting of stuff, right? You start you know, saying, basically, what did I do wrong? Well, it not, may not necessarily be what you did wrong. It may be that you're standing up for something right. That's what a spiritual battle is. That's, that's, that's what we're fighting today. This is why this message is so important for us to understand as believers, because let's, in all honesty, I think some of us live our entire lives not trying to do something wrong, and you're doing so much right, you've got a target on your back. And so the pressure you feel, the challenge that you feel, the problems you're facing in your family, the problems you're facing in your finances, your marriage, all of that is a spiritual battle. If you decided to follow Jesus, to make Jesus your Lord, you have a target on your back, and the devil wants to take you out. So once you get your pens out, get your iPads 
open, whatever you need to do, and uh, let's take some notes today. I'm gonna go to Ephesians chapter six, but let's talk about Ephesians. Ephesians is one of those epistles, those letters from Paul that's really good because the first three chapters are about your identity. The last three chapters are about how God has given you power to live out that, that identity. Okay, so, so the first three chapters are about your identity. Everybody say, my identity. Now, let me, let me just, let's put things in order here to make sure that we understand how to live out our life. Because I think a lot of Christians, a lot of people who follow God or wanna follow God, ask the wrong question first. In other words, they go to God and they ask him, what do you want me to do for you? What on earth am I here for? Rick Warren wrote a good book, Purpose Driven Life, made a lot of money on it, infected a lot of people, affected a lot of people with it. It was a very, very good book. And I think it's a good question to ask, but really, the first question that we should ask God is who am I in you? Your identity always comes before your destiny. And when you get it out of order, we get frustrated with God because he is not gonna give you a purpose until you are the person that he's called for that purpose. And you have to recognize that. And so even in the book of Ephesians, the order in which Paul deals with us, he talks about you know, that, that he prays right from the very beginning, that, there, uh, that our eyes would be open, that, that we would be enlightened, that we would see who we are in Christ. And so if you, I, I get this question a lot from people. So what am I supposed to do? How do I find out my purpose? And what I do is I try to dig down and to them understanding that you're forgiven, that you're righteous in God. And those are very important things before you step into your purpose. Spend some time finding out who you are, okay? So Ephesians 6 is Paul ending with this, this push after we understand our identity into now we're how we're supposed to push against dark forces, the spiritual enemy that we have. So here's what he says. Finally, my brethren, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on, everybody say put on. Look at your neighbor, say suit up, suit up, suit up. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the devices of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We'll talk about that in a minute. Therefore, when you see a therefore, you check what it's there for. He's bridging these two concepts. Therefore, take up. Everybody say, put on. Look at your neighbor, say, suit up. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." I think spiritual warfare is probably the most important subject of our time right now. We need to understand that we are in a battle. There is a battle raging for your attention right now. 
There's a battle raging for your kids right now. There's a battle raging against marriage, raging against the truth, raging against the Bible, raging against the church, raging against you personally. So we've got to understand that we are in the midst of a battle. You can't stick your head in the sand and say, I'm not going to participate. No, you're in it whether you like it or not. So what is, a, what is spiritual warfare? Great question. Here's, here's, here's my definition. Spiritual warfare is that cosmic conflict in the invisible, angelic realm that is being waged in the context of the visible, physical realm. Let me say that one more time. Spiritual warfare is that cosmic conflict, this conflict in the invisible, angelic realm. You can't see it. That is being waged in the context of the visible, physical realm. In other words, it's a war that's being fought where, we, where what we can't see is being worked out in what we can see. It's, it's a battle, a battle. Angels and demons are fighting. Your angels, all of you have angels. Some of you got way more angels than I do. You need them. <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> Just saying. What is, what is spiritual warfare? An invisible battle that involves invisible beings, yet that they are taking it out on you. They're taking it out on you. It's all about you. It's all about you. And you've picked a side, whether you like it or not. This is one of the things. You cannot be in the middle. I know people are right now trying to be in the middle. Pastors trying to stay in the middle. Well, I don't want to say this, and I don't want to say that, and I, I want to say this, and I don't. No, you can't be in the middle. You, you cannot exit this. You have picked a side. How do you pick a side? Your worldview. Your worldview determines which side of the battle you are on. And there are only two worldviews. There is man's way and God's way. Man's way, a secular worldview, a culturalistic worldview, or God's way, a biblical worldview. Now, what's a worldview? Great question. Your worldview is the way you perceive life. It's the way, you, the way you see life. It's the way you make decisions about your life. And it's the way you answer the hard questions of your life. Let me say that again because this is your worldview. You have one. The way you perceive life, the filter in which you look at things that are happening around you. The media that you see, you have a filter. That's your worldview. What people say, what I say, what preachers say, what, what Christians say, what Christians don't say. You have a perception. You also, how you make decisions about your life are determined by your worldview. Your choices are how, what your worldview is all about and how you answer the hard questions of life. Do you Google it or do you Bible it? You have a choice. You can go to Google or you can go to God. It's up to you. Most people would choose Google way easier than going to God or they may not like what they hear when it comes to God. Now, I know a lot of people are trying to rewrite the Bible right now, but God's word never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is just as culturally relevant as he is today as he was 2,000 years ago. If he said it, it is so. Amen. That's the way it goes. That's it. So you've chosen. Well, I don't like all that, you know, 
stuff about homosexuality and transgender. I don't think the church should be involved in that. You have a worldview. Well, you know, I'm not sure that, that people should get involved in, in the way women make their choice about whether they should give birth or not. You have a worldview. Now, the Bible is very clear on those things. But you have a worldview. Is it God's view or is it man's view? See, real Christianity is a fight. It's a fight, man. It's a battle. It, it, you, you, have, you, you, are, you, are, you are in a fight. If you decide to be a real Christian, I'm talking a real Christian, not a come see, come saw Christian. I'm talking a Jesus is my Lord kind of Christian, not Jesus is my Savior. Oh, I don't wanna go to hell, but I wanna live like I wanna live. No, Paul told us that, that if we want Jesus to be in our life, we have to confess him as our Lord, not our Savior, our Lord. So what's, here's the question we have to ask first of all. Three questions I wanna answer today. Number one is what is this battle for? What's this battle for? The battle is for glory. Very simple. One word, glory. And God does not share his glory with anyone. In eternity past, God created three angels. Michael, his warring angel, the one he would send out the battle. Gabriel, his messenger angel, the one that if any, he needed to kind of talk to earth or somebody on earth, he would send Gabriel. He sent Gabriel to, to uh um, he sent Gabriel to Mary, he sent Gabriel to Daniel, uh, he sent Gabriel over and over and over again. And then the third angel that he created was Lucifer. Lucifer, Lucifer was the worshiping angel. He had a beard and skinny jeans. <laughs> Just look up on the platform next service. They all have beards and they all have skinny jeans. Don't tell them I said that, tell them Pastor Aaron said it. He was the angel that covered. Matter of fact, his job was to be in the very presence of God, the throne room of God. He was a worshiping angel. He, he, was, a, he was an angel that was concerned about worship, everything about worship. And then he decided, he said, he said Lucifer said, why are you getting all the glory? I think you should share some of it. And he got prideful and started to try to take some on his own. This is, this is why it's so difficult for people to worship God often. This is why there's such pressure when you wanna praise God. It's because the devil hates you because you took his spot in the throne room. You, when you praise God, you are now the angels that cover. You are the ones who are worshiping God for who he is and the devil hates you for it. Matter of fact, why don't we right now just slap the devil upside the head and take a 30 second just praise break. Can we do that right now? Can you stand up on your feet and give God just a big shout of praise? Come on, let's just kick the devil upside the head. Come on, lift your hands up and give him a big shout. Hallelujah. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him a big shout. Hallelujah. You're worthy, God. We love you. Amen. All right, be seated. Isn't that great? Doesn't that feel great? We just slapped the devil upside the head. Your car might not start, but hey, God loves you. 
Just because you have a Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you got married by a pastor doesn't make your marriage Christian. It's all about the glory of God. His weightiness, his magnificence, who he is, what, what God represents, his goodness, his forgiveness, his righteousness. And it's only God that can extend that. And it's only God that we give that glory to. It's him. That's what the battle's for. The battle's for glory. To the level that you understand that this is a spiritual battle, make sense of it, your value increases in it. And your influence increases in it. Let me give you an example. A good picture. I've been doing, I don't know if, you, how many of y'all doing the shred, the 30-day read through your Bible? That's fantastic. Good, good job. Awesome. Fantastic. If you never, don't know what the shred is, it's beginning January 1st, you read through all the entire Bible in 30 days. And it, your, your goal is not to get every little thing. It's just to kind of get a big overview of what's going on in Scripture. And here's a great idea after you finish the shred Beginning February 1st is grab a 365 Bible, meaning a Bible that can take you through the entire Bible again over the next 11 months. And just read a couple extra, extra chapters and you'll get through, check this out, you read the Bible two times in one year. It's pretty incredible. Some people don't even read the Bible all the way through their entire life. And you can do it in, in two times in one year. It'll change your whole world. Just a little extra there. I think we actually have some of those Bibles in the resource center. But I got stuck. I, get, I kept getting stuck in the shred. Yeah, I'm going to read and then bam, just something hits me. And one of those was the story in 2 Kings chapter 6 where, um, Elisha, where there's this king of Syria who is going out and battling the Israelites. He keeps fighting the Israelites. And he's telling his generals, hey, we're going to go to this place and we're going to fight them here and we're going to go to this place. But every time he would go to that place, the Israelites weren't there. And so he got mad to the people that were around him. And they were like, who keeps telling the Israelites where I'm gonna be? And they were like, hey, listen, it's not us, king of you know, Syria, uh, king of Syria. It's not, it's not us, king. It's this cat, Elisha, who hears everything that you say in your bedroom. He's like this prophet of the Lord. And so the king of Syria gets angry with him. And he takes the entire army of Syria for one guy. And he goes to the town that Elisha's living in and he surrounds the entire house, the town, the house where he is. And Elisha's servant decides he's gonna go get a, get a Starbucks, get a latte for, for Elisha. And he goes outside and he you know, looks around and the entire city, his entire house is surrounded by, by the, the army of Syria for one guy. Elijah's servant runs back in the house. This is my version. He runs back in the house. He goes, Elijah, I couldn't get your coffee. I'm sorry, but you're not gonna believe this. I know you've been telling secrets on the king of Syria and outside the entire army is surrounding us. And I imagine Elijah just goes, oh, you should have got my latte. I'm, I'm thirsty. And he says, this is what he says. So he answered, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha understood what spiritual warfare is. 
And when you begin to understand it, your value in it increases. God can start releasing things through you to take care of situations that he may not be able to trust with somebody else. Think about it. An entire army went out to kill Elisha. First time I ever experienced kind of the spiritual realm was in February of 1996. It was snowing in Richmond, Virginia, and we were having a, um, a revival service, like massive service. This, this is back when you had church a lot. Like it was all week long. Some of y'all don't even know about anything about this, man. I'm talking church. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about church. We had, we started on, on Sunday. We had service at nine. We had service at two. We had service at seven. And they weren't an hour and 15 minutes dialed in. No, they were, it would go from nine till about 145. And then you'd try to get a power nap in and then come back in and start at two again. I took the whole week off. I took the entire week off because I, I felt in my heart that God wanted to do something in me. Like I've just like had this passion. And so I went to church every, every single time the doors were open, nine, two and 7 p.m. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, we were having this amazing worship moment in our, in our service. There's probably, I don't know, probably an auditorium similar to this size, maybe a little bit bigger. And it was, there wasn't that many people in there actually because it snowed and only real Christians come to church when it snows. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the front row and we're worshiping God and all of a sudden God takes me into this open vision. And I see in the corner of the room, this door opens up from floor to ceiling. And it was about 30 feet high. And these angels started to line up around the whole entire wall of the church, all the way around. They were floor to ceiling high and their heads, I couldn't see their faces because their heads were above the, the roof. And as we were worshiping, they were singing along with us. Now you say, oh, you're telling you, what did you smoke that night? Well, this was way before weed was legal. So nothing. Changed my world, changed my entire life. It lasted for about five to seven minutes. They were singing with us. You could, I could hear them singing with us as we were singing. And then they just kind of filed right back out around the corner. They walked right back out the door. The door shut, and then it was over. It was my first kind of peek into that spiritual realm. It was amazing. It's real. And it affects you every single day. So where is the fight? Where is the fight? Well, notice what he says in verse 12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, look at these last few words, in the heavenly places. Would you say that with me? In the heavenly places. See, there are three heavens that we are involved in, engaged in. The first heaven is what we call the atmospheric heaven. It's the heaven that we're in right now, the air that you breathe. We are, we are at 2638 Salome Church Road at Freedom House Church right now. 
You are, you are here right now in this heaven. The second heaven is just above the earth's orbit called the stellar heaven. It's where the stars are. It's where the moon is. It's where the sun is. But there is a third heaven. The Bible tells us that Paul, he said a man got caught up into the third heaven in Corinthians, but he was really talking about himself. And he went to this place, this heavenly place, this other place. And he said, I heard words that I I really couldn't talk about. I couldn't share about them right now. They were words that I've never heard before. See, in order to fight, we have to fight in and from the right place. And Paul tells us, if you read Ephesians, he tells us all about this heavenly place that, that we have access to, that we can go in and out of whenever we want to. Notice what he said in chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So you have blessings, you have resources, equipment that's just on the other side. Let me say it another way. Everything you need for your life is in the heavenly places. Every answer to every question that you might ask forever is in heavenly places. Every miracle that you might need in your future and and for, for whatever you need is just on the other side. So God gives you faith to reach into the other side. Your prayers reach into the heavenly places. Your praise reaches into the heavenly places. Your worship reaches into the heavenly places and pulls those things back in to this heaven. Are you with me? You, you t- sometimes you have to take them from the enemy. That's why it's so, much pr- so hard, you gotta reach over. That's, you get those blessings into the heavenly places. Listen to what he says in verse 20, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So not only do you have blessings and resources in the heavenly places, your Lord and Savior is sitting at the right hand of God in heavenly places. It gets gooder. Ephesians chapter two, verse six, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. Do you see a pattern here? So not only do you have resources in the heavenly places, not only is Jesus sitting at the right hand in heavenly places, you have a seat with your name on it in heavenly places. Nobody can take it. The devil can't steal it from you. You can go anytime and that's your seat in the heavenly places. So you got resources in heavenly places. Jesus is sitting in heavenly places. You have a seat in heavenly places. Gets even better. Verse 10 of chapter three, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers, where? In the heavenly places. So you have blessings in heavenly places. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God in heavenly places. You have a seat in heavenly places and the wisdom that's necessary to deal with principalities and powers is located in heavenly places. Okay, let me me help you understand this. Let me build a bridge. So you can understand this. Uh, when I, about maybe, I think six years ago, I took my wife to London for a little trip. She loved it, a little too much. She really liked London because there's lots of shops there, you can, tons of shoes in London. And so we go to London, we're walking around. And the unique thing about London is we were walking down the street and there was the American embassy in London. So I did a little research on embassies. Embassies are interesting because 
It's in London, but it's not London. You've probably seen a movie where somebody gets in trouble in another country and they run to the embassy because the embassy is known as sovereign ground. As an American, if something goes on in my life and I'm in another country and they have an American embassy, I can walk, listen, I can walk into the embassy and all my rights as an American citizen are now enacted when I walk through those doors. It's sovereign ground. It is, a, it is American territory. Heavenly places are like the embassy of God on foreign soil. At any moment that you need to enact your citizenship of heaven, you can go into the heavenly places and get the resources that you need, call on Jesus who's sitting at the right hand of God, sit in the seat that you have been reserved for you since the foundation of earth, are you with me? And get the wisdom that you need that's necessary to live your life in heavenly places. Make sure you know where you're fighting. That's why he says you don't wrestle against flesh. It's not about what you see around you. I know they're getting on your nerves, but this is a, this is a spiritual battle in heavenly places, okay? How do we fight? Last question. Three things. Number one, he says, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Say it loud like you are strong. Say, be strong. Be strong. Point at your neighbor, say, be strong, be strong, be strong. Put on, everybody say, put on. And stand. Be strong, put on, and stand. One more time. Be strong, put on, and stand. Let's do it all together. Be strong, put on, and stand. One more time, because you sound really good. Be strong, put on, and stand. This is how you fight. First thing he says is, he, he says, be strong. Where? In the Lord and in the power of his might. God will never put you in a fight without giving you the strength to win it. Never will put you in a fight. Never, never will he ill-equip you to fight the battle that you're in. You may feel like right now, I ain't winning this battle. No, you got enough in you to finish it and win it because God is allowing it to happen to you right now. Be strong, where? In the Lord. In the Lord, in the Lord. David strengthens himself in the Lord. Joshua, the angel told Joshua, be strong and of good courage in the Lord. Sure, you can get strength from your experiences. Sure, you can get strength from other people, but there's nothing like the strength of the Lord. Are you with me? Nothing like it. When I was praying for you, I had this vision and Melly kind of, kind of stole it already. She already talked about it. I had this kind of vision of you and me and this is what it means to be strong in the Lord. This is what it, kind of the picture I saw. God is behind you, taking care of your six. He's, he's, there's, there's nothing that's gonna creep up behind you and deal with you. God is beside you, walking with you, picking you up when you fall down, and God is in front of you, leading you. But even greater than that, God is in you, because greater is he that's in the world he, that, he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Thank you for correcting me. So he's in front of me, he's beside me, he's behind me, and he lives on the inside of me. That's the strength of God. That's the strength of God. Are you with me? So what do we have to do first? 
Be strong. What's the second thing? Put on. There you go. You got it. You almost got it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Put on. This is all about our identity. There are six pieces of the armor. You've heard bits and pieces over the last few weeks about the armor of God. There are six pieces of the armor, three of which you never take off. You never take it off. The first is the truth that's around you. Truth always surrounding you. It's not about the facts of the Bible. It's about the absoluteness of the Bible. It's about the absoluteness of the truth of God. It's the integrity, the faithfulness, the reliability, the dependability of the word of God. The truth is what we can stand on no matter what. The world's gonna tell you it's relative. It's based on people. But God says, no, it's firm and strong and stable and dependable and full of integrity. And you wrap that around you and you never take it off. The second thing he says, he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. It protects your vital organs, your heart, your liver, your kidneys. Righteousness, not, not my righteousness, because the Bible says my righteousness are like filthy rags. It's his righteousness. I can never earn it. It's not mine to give away. It's God's who gives it by mercy and grace to me. Not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did. I'm righteous in him. Are you following me? I never take it off. Does that mean somebody can steal my righteousness? Not according to what the Bible says. Now you can walk away from it, but nobody can ever take it from you. And then he says, put on the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace leads me. I think one of the greatest way God speaks to us is through peace. It may not be audibly, but we just know I gotta go this direction. So it's truth around me, it's righteousness protecting me, and it's God's peace leading me. And then the other three parts that we put on are dependent upon the battle that we're fighting. And notice what he says. He says, above all, taking up the shield of faith. Because faith is the glue that makes the whole armor work. It's the connection. Faith is, is what God gives us to deal with everything. It's the shield of faith. It's both offensive and defensive. Faith is, I trust. I trust you, God. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what I experience, I trust you. Faith is, I am confident. I'm confident. I'm confident that you're gonna get this done. I'm confident. Faith is, I believe. Even when I don't understand it, I believe it. And there's a lot of times in your Christian walk where you're not gonna understand it. You're not gonna understand what's going on. I heard, I heard this, this commentator on a television series that I was watching said, there's three answers to prayer. Yes, not yet, and I got something else for you. It's a great answer. Yes, that's the easy one. We like that one. We ask, we ask God, he says, yes. We don't like the not yet one. When, God, when? But the third one, ooh, that's the hardest one. Because a lot of times we like to put, God, put words in God's mouth. And so we, got, we ask God, Lord, can you do this for me? And then he doesn't do it at all because he has something better for you. But are you willing to have patience along with your faith so he can work it out? Above all, taking the shield of faith. Then he says, put on the helmet of salvation. 
An enemy is always gonna go for the two most important part of who you are, your head and your heart. If he can't get to your heart, he's gonna go for your head. The helmet of salvation is all about your mindset. It's about, about the way that you think about God, the way that you think about his word, the way you think about his truth. That's why it says to renew your mind constantly. That's why it's so important. I, I, can I just say this? Reading the Bible today is not an option. You, you have to be in the word of God every single day of your life. It's so important to, con there are so many things that are hitting you from all sides, trying to mess up the way that you think about God, about people, about the world, about love, about everything is trying to hit you from, so keep that helmet on. And then he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then the third thing he says is stand, stand. Be strong, put on, and stand. Stand. This is what I've been challenging our men here at Freedom House, is to stand. Stand for the families. Stand for your marriage. Don't, don't let anything pull you from your post. And that's what I believe that's happening right now. God is positioning you in a specific post for such a time as this. But you gotta stand. And listen, if you can't stand in here, you're not gonna be able to stand out there. It's really easy to stand in church. And what I mean is have the fortitude and the tenacity to deal with the fight that's presented to you on a daily basis. That's what he's talking about. Matter of fact, he says it three times. He says, withstand on the evil day, stand, and then stand. I think he's trying to get us a point. So that's what I want you to do right now. I want you to stand. And I want you to keep your eyes open. And I want you to keep your head up. And I'd like you to grab somebody's hand beside you. And I want you to ask yourself, think about this for a second. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he your Lord? Because I think sometimes we have lived our entire Christian life with him being our savior, but he's not really our Lord. What does that mean? That means that he is in control. I'm gonna listen to him. I'm gonna lean on him. I'm gonna let him lead me. I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna put my faith in him. Even when it hurts, I'm gonna do it. Saviors, I just wanna get out of not going to hell. You know, I, I, but I wanna live the way, I, I think it's time for you, the church, to decide, is Jesus your Lord? Now, I'm not saying you're perfect, because none of us are. But I think there's a time and a place where we all need to make the decision in front of everyone that Jesus is my Lord. Not just my Savior, but my Lord. He's my God. And I'm picking a side right now. It's God's way and no other way. So I wanna ask you, have you ever made Jesus your Lord? And if you would like to do that today, I just want you to just simply squeeze the person's hand beside you. Just squeeze their hand right now, just squeeze it. 
right now. Just squeeze it. I want Jesus to be my Lord. Maybe you made a decision many years ago, many months ago, many days ago to make Jesus your Savior, but you've never asked him to be your Lord. I never really understood that, Pastor Troy. I never really understood that being Jesus being my Lord means I, I've got to give up some stuff. I've got to surrender st- some stuff. Yes, absolutely. You have to. But it's a good giveaway. It's a good trade, I promise you. It may hurt a little bit at the beginning, but I promise you, as you live this out, Jesus taking the wheel is way better than you driving the car. If that's you, just, just do me a favor. Squeeze that person's hand right beside you. And here's what I want you to do. If somebody squeezed your hand, on the count of three, I want you to hold onto that hand and I want you to bring them right down to this altar. And we're gonna go old school today and we're gonna pray for some people to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Ready? Don't, don't let them talk you out of bringing them. And why are you doing this, Troy? Because I want you to feel, the one that's squeezed, I want you to feel what it feels like to be helped by the church. This is what community's all about. Because you're not doing this alone. No, 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 no. No, we're not, you're not doing this alone. You got people all around you that love you and care for you and are there for you. So you ready? One, two, three. Just bring them right up to the front right now. Bring them right up to the front. And the rest of you, can you give them a big hand as they bring these people up front? Just bring them right up front. Come on, you can do way better than that. You can do way better than that. Come on, give them a big hand. Come on, give them a big hand. Give them a big hand. Proud of you. 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 I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. Come on, keep clapping. Keep clapping. So proud of you so proud of you. One more time. Come on, let's keep clapping for him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So proud of you. Now, before we close, I just want to, I want to give one more invitation. I want you, I want, if you wanted to squeeze somebody's hand, but you didn't, this is, you better be bold. I'm gonna give you 10 seconds to come because you know, and I think there's two more people that need to come and make Jesus the Lord of their life. I want you to get out of your seat and come right now. I wanna pray for you. You don't wanna miss this prayer. You're not promised tomorrow. And I'm not talking about just going to hell. I'm just talking about fighting this fight. And it's time for you to pick a side. Just come. Come on, give him a hand. Isn't that great? Come on, give him a big hand. Fantastic, fantastic. So, let me tell you, for those of y'all that were the squeezors, let me tell you what's happening right now. In heaven, in that third heaven, in the heavenly places, all of heaven is standing rejoicing for you. They're, 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 they, are, they are so excited because now you've stepped into the, the, you've armed yourself for this battle by just simply saying, Jesus, I recognize that you're seated at the right hand of God. And, you're so, and you are gonna lead me through this battle. So church, would you stretch your hands out to them? Those of y'all that came up, would you just close your eyes and bow your head? And I'm gonna lead you through a confession. We're gonna do exactly what Paul said. We're gonna do exactly what the Bible says and confess our way into this lordship. 
And just say this loud, say it strong. Say it like you believe it. Say it so loud you can hear with your own ears. Say this with me, say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my unrighteousness. Today, Lord Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for taking control, taking the wheel, taking over in my heart and my life. I trust you. I believe in you. I am confident in you, in Jesus' name. Change me forever. Amen, amen. Come on, one more time. Give him a big hand.